Welcome to Rationalist, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your co-host, Morgan Wack, and I'm here with the quarantined Eddie Matthews. Calling in on the phone. Hey, I guess, but technically we're both quarantined, right? That's true. That's true. You're actually probably much safer. I feel like in the movies, isn't that, like, rural Wales where they go in World War Z to, like, get away from outside world? (laughs) Yeah. So maybe you're in the best spot possible. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, what a, what a situation we find ourselves in. As a doctor, a soon-to-be doctor, Eddie, how would you advise our listeners to, to handle this situation? Um, well, I would say, watch Mad Men. Spoken like a true creative writing doctor. <laughs> like, there's seven seasons. It's the best show ever. If you've never seen it before and you're trapped inside for an untold amount of time, it's the perfect time to start. So, yeah, that would be generally my advice. I like it. There we go. We can leave the uh, the other doctors to, to tell, you know, different sorts of things. But uh, if you need movie, movie and pop culture news, this, you came to the right place. Yeah. I call. I mean, MDs. What do, what do they really know? Computers mm. are going to be doing their their jobs in ten years. Right? <laughs> it's very true. Right, what's the? Do you want to be give the run into the article? So we're 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 jumping on the bandwagon of the coronavirus train here a little bit, um, but we are talking yeah. about something slightly different. We're talking about kind of the long term impacts rather than the immediate immediate impacts of coronavirus or the immediate steps you should be taking. Um, yeah. So the name of the article we're talking about today is the coronavirus is creating a huge stressful experiment in working from home by Derek Thompson of the Atlantic, um, and this is a number. Well, go ahead. Why is the headline that? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. That, like, they put two adjectives in front of experiment for a headline? What? If you have to put a I, comma in your headline, yeah, just stop. You shouldn't be doing unacceptable. it. I agree. Jeez. It makes it worse because usually the headline is created by someone else. That means someone came in and saddled this exactly. article no, with, yeah. like, a shit headline like that. Mm. Derek Thompson, we're not blaming you. We know that ed- your editor put this headline together. You had nothing to do with it. I get that. So, yeah. you know, but still, like, it's bad. stick your guns. Man. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he pissed off whoever was in charge of the headlines, and they were like, you like that? Take this. Oh, yeah. Mm. He does, yeah. I yeah. guess I can kiss away any chance of ever getting published in the Atlantic. <laughs> Yeah, because I've heard so that they close. have a they have a huge uh, following from of the uh, rationalists. So, yeah, we, we can't bash them too much. But we actually did like I enjoyed this article anyway. That's just not the title, so we can maybe we can win them back over. Okay. And perhaps if you ever do get published in the Atlantic, you'll just get saddled with an equally shit title. So that that could be the, that could be the downfall. I know. <laughs> All right. So, so what we're talking about. This article, it basically takes a two-way track. It looks at how coronavirus could affect the modern workspace in the aftermath of of the virus and how kind of the shift online that has occurred in these last couple weeks could be kind of a huge experiment in productivity and different kind of innovative forms of of work-life balance. Um, 
yeah, and I I think he, he does a good job kind of laying out both the pros and cons. I've read a couple articles about this, and they pretty much all just lay out the pros. Um, and I think he does a much better job kind of balancing, like pulling it back and saying, wait, there are actually a lot of cons associated with this as well. There's a lot of deficiencies, not just in productivity from a work perspective, but also from social kind of mental health side. Um, yeah, what were your first impressions? Um, yeah, I think it's kind of like when you write an article like this, this early on, you know, it was kind of like pundits talking about who's going to win the Democratic presidential nomination six months ago. (laughs) Who would have done that? People who go and (laughs) podcast about that. Morons. No, no one did. Certainly not us. Um, But it's kind of like, we don't know. Like, we have no idea. So it's an interesting kind of conjecture, but as far as, like, conclusions that can be drawn, we just have no clue, no idea. Um... So I guess, like, that was kind of my initial reaction to it. But then kind of going into, um, digging into the weeds of it, it brought up some interesting points about kind of loneliness in a, in a working-at-home setting. And then as far as, like, how do you kind of recreate basically um, the water cooler talk from an online working-at-home solitary atmosphere you know yeah absolutely i think i think there's something to this i think that you've seen a shift i think he said that the number of people working from home has tripled since um kind of internet became popular in the early 2000s and i do think that this kind of forced movement online for large companies and for schools, I mean, my University of Washington is now entirely online for these last couple of weeks of the quarter, and we've just heard that at least half of next quarter is going to be online in its, in its entirety. Um, so I think that the University of Washington had to purchase a Zoom license, like a multi-million dollar license for the Zoom, which is like a Skype technology sort of for businesses and um, hosting meetings that we're planning to use as the primary source of, of kind of the platforming for classes. Um, And so I think that being forced into making these decisions and experimenting with these things in real time will have a drastic impact in the long run. Um, How it's going to play out and whether it's going to prove to be kind of dissatisfactory or it's going to show that it can be done is, you know, up in the air. But I do think that this is something worth speculating about because of how widespread this experiment really is. Yeah, it's been interesting to see... um basically industries forced into taking action that they otherwise wouldn't have like chosen to take. Yeah. So take like um, my alma mater, Point Loma Nazarene University. I'm sure all the rational issues have, are, are very well versed in Point Loma history <laughs> and culture. But just as a refresher, um, working as an instructional designer there for a year and kind of building online classes, you'd have certain faculty members or certain whole like departments that were still even in the year, you know, that I was there in 2017, 2016, 2017, uh, even then were allergic to the idea of online education, even though it had been around for like 20 or 25 years at that point, you know, um, maybe 20 years. But, uh, so the idea, like, Point Loma's doing 
at least, I think, you know, the next few weeks online, if not the rest of the semester, are preparing to. And so all of those professors who were unprepared for the online environment are now having to, like, kick it into gear, you know? So it's an interesting kind of... Um, like a forced adjustment and it's going to be more painful but maybe uh, because it is forced it will kind of bring more people uh, into this innovative space than otherwise would be there you know yeah absolutely I okay so from you've taught an entire class I've only taught a few kind of sections online you've taught an entire class what do you think are kind of the pros and cons of education online in particular? Because it seems like most of the resistance has been due to kind of financial concerns and that it probably wouldn't be possible for universities to charge $65,000 a year if they're just, you know, teaching online. So I think that has been driving kind of resistance in a way. But I also think there are definitely things that are lost when you teach online, specifically when you have kind of smaller classes that are discussion oriented. But yeah, I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, so, you know, I, I worked in online education uh, for a little bit, and so that was how I made my living. And yet, I think I would be the first to admit that we're not in any anywhere near at the level of um, the kind of dynamic learning environment that you can get in a face-to-face classroom. Mm-hmm. But also, it's kind of silly to think that we would be anywhere close to that because we've had... I know, 400 years of, like, a lecture-based yeah. face-to-face um, setting, and we've had maybe 15 to 20 years of... Maybe a solid, like, really 10 good years of online education, and maybe, like, 15 or, or 20, you know, in total. Um, so to think that we would have made up, made all the gains of centuries of kind of fine-tuning in, you know, 10, 20 years of time is naive, I think, you know? Um, So I think we have to be realistic in terms of what online education at this point using Canvas, which is a learning management system. Uh, Canvas is the worst. um, You you don't like it? No, I hate it. It's, I think it's the, I think it's the lesser of the evils. Yeah, that's probably true. But it's not great. Um, but it's intuitive, and that's I think that's why it's kind of king mm. right now. But um, yeah, it's clumsy. Online education is still a little bit. It's still clumsy because you like. In my experience with it, instructors don't know how to kind of. And there are exceptions, but I would say ninety-five percent of instructors that I've worked with and seen and observed and all the classes I've taken um, ones I've taught that were designed by someone else all that stuff like they are designed to hold students accountable for doing the bare minimum they're not designed for optimizing um, a dynamic learning experience and ensuring that students are thinking critically you know so i think that's my biggest concern is when it comes to critical thinking it doesn't seem like it's super um 
helpful in that regard because it's not very iterative when you are in a discussion-based kind of setting. It's The discussion is very much like prompt, answer, answer, done. You know, it's not an actual conversation. There's no kind of, I don't know if that's been your experience with it as well. Yeah, no, I, I think that things like Khan Academy, which are kind of like free online source videos, but sp- focus specifically more at kind of math and statistics. Um, I think they've been shown to be really successful is if, just like you said, if you are kind of just doing this sort of iteration and copying and memorizing techniques, it mm, definitely makes it a lot easier and you can kind of pause and rewind. But yeah, if you're trying to foster discussion and critically, you know, investigate certain issues, I can see it being a lot more challenging. Um, so the way you phrased it, you say, you're saying basically it's a difference in kind of long-term skill development. So you're saying that there's an advantage for open classrooms, mainly because they've just been doing it for so long that they've, they have an advantage in what works and what doesn't and going through it. So do you think that if online sources continue to, you know, either be necessary or just be utilized because of their benefits, they 10 to 20 to 30 years from now, it will be relatively close to, you know, in-person discussion? Or do you think that the the platform itself is just never going to get to the point where it, it can compete with in-person instruction? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll kind of bridge my answer to that question with what the article's talking about mm-hmm. in terms of um, the benefits of working from home versus the benefits of kind of coming to yeah. a centralized place. So if you look at efficiency-wise of online education versus face-to-face, there's no comparison. Online education is way more efficient. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's way more cost-effective. Um, the information is so much more easily disseminated. Um, it's easier to take tests. It's easier to measure progress on those tests. Um, it's, it's easier to transmit information all that stuff is so much easier i think in the article when it's talking about you know companies saving this chinese company that that um had all of their employees work from home saved like a thousand dollars per employee on reduced office space yeah um that's a huge incentive and so i think that there's a case to be made and it's a valid case and it it needs to happen that higher education the cost of it is so bloated based not in any way on returns or, you know, on um, any other reason other than it's inheriting an outdated old system that's no longer effective, you know? And so the cost doesn't reflect what actually you get in the product. However, so, so that's like one side of the thing is like, the actual learning experience uh, online and the information that you need to get, all that stuff, higher education weights is way too costly right now. And it's, um, and that bubble's going to burst soon, I think. Um, because online education, like Khan Academy, like the information is there. You just need yeah. someone to structure yeah, yeah. it and hold you accountable for doing it because 18 um, year olds have no discipline, so they're not going to like go out and learn this information they have to have someone like forcing them to do it you know um so there's that kind of side of the equation but then there's the other side where it's like the socializing that you do in that 18 to 22 range when you're college age 
and when you kind of go to uh, a school and meet new people and form relationships and all that stuff that can't just be shunted to the side because it's from like a um I guess from an industry um money making perspective because it's ineffective like that's that's just an inherent part of kind of growing up and in learning and and socializing and like so that has to be kind of factored into the equation as well I guess how I would like to see higher education change is um still providing those spaces to kind of get together and congregate and think but the actual um learning environment in the classroom would be a space where it's kind of entirely like flipped you know and I think workspaces would be good for this as well where it's like you whether it's an instructor in higher education setting or a manager in a business setting there's constant communication in terms of what their expectations are and the goals and that those objectives are being met as far as um, when you do those things if it's between 8am and 5pm or 5pm and midnight who cares like I think all that needs to go away Um, and I think that in like a higher education perspective kind of entirely flipping the classroom which has been a concept that's been around for you know over a decade at this point where you kind of just have the classroom space as a place that students come to with their questions and then you can kind of it's very like interactive and hands-on you workshop it with students and like get other people's feedback and it's very conversational it's very kind of interactive in that respect I just think um, this lecture-based model is so, um, you know, going away. And um, I think that's kind of the case for a lot of, um, I don't know, I just, I've sat through so many, like, terrible uh, kind of business conferences or teleconferences or just stuff where people are talking at you for an hour and there's maybe 10% of it that's valuable I think all that stuff's going to change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this is kind of a watershed moment, sort of like 9-11 was for security and, you know, concerns about home affairs. Um, If we kind of remember what the world was like before coronavirus and after coronavirus, I do think my prediction is not necessarily that there's a, you know, a complete, complete watershed switch over to working from home all the time. What I do think will happen is in the industries where working from home is possible, like all the tech industries and a lot of the online industries, I think that we will see companies, especially startups, starting to use use uh, working from home or part-time work as a bargaining chip to compete with kind of the bigger conglomerates like Amazon and Microsoft who will then have to kind of change their ways to, to compete back and not to lose people on the fringes. Um, we, we've talked about before kind of experiments with four-day work week and different types of innovative strategies for incorporating um, like leisure time back into modern life. And I think that if it's shown that productivity doesn't drop drastically in these you know months, weeks and months that are ahead, 
then people will be much, much more willing to give people an extra day off here or there or to work from home here or there um, as, a, as a way of competing on, on the edges, on the margins. So, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think some of the crazier stuff that I talked about in this article is how how ridiculously overworked America has become the other direction. And I think that, you know, we look at statistics that say this many more people are working from home, blah, 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 blah. But it really is segmented to specific industries. This article, I think the craziest statistic is when it talks about that on average, about an hour a day for every working American is spent commuting each day, which to me is, is insane. I hate commuting. I cannot imagine spending an hour a day commuting. Um, and the fact that that's the average, not even, you know, any sort of upper bound or upper quartile is, is insane to me. Um, and I do think that in that way, it will hopefully lead to kind of a movement of economic centers away from the coasts and to places where you can commute and be places where things, you know, the standard of living is much cheaper, uh, but still recruit the same types of talent that you would in Silicon Valley and, you know, Seattle. I, yeah, I think that has to happen. Um, so that somebody in, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of Scranton, Pennsylvania, <laughs> uh, Joe Biden's hometown, um, can, yeah, do the job that is being done by somebody living in Manhattan right now. Uh, if they're just as competent, just as qualified, but, you know, can work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, in whatever industry that publishing or whatever um yeah i think that that needs to happen in terms of like changing how concentrated industries are on the coast you know yeah um so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses um and i i'm just looking forward to um this exponentially increasing real estate unregulated mostly unregulated uh real estate market in places like san diego san francisco seattle i'm looking forward to those guys to stop making obscene amounts of money and for the city to realize their mistake yeah i mean yeah we'll see if if that actually happens i mean people have postulated that you know rise in prices and housing and those sorts of things would lead to kind of a more robust middle america in the past and it hasn't happened um but this does seem like something different right i think that this does have the 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 way i see it if if we start seeing so one of the things this article talks about is how people who do work from home permanently start to you know get lonely there's lots of mental health concerns and i understand that but i do think that working maybe two or three days in the office and two or three days at home instead could be the opposite it'd be the perfect balance you know being able to spend time with family if we start to see places opening up that are kind of shared office spaces for not just for the same company but if i mean if, if you were working from home on a tuesday and you could go down and work in a quasi office at a coffee shop where everyone is working roughly from you know cubicles or whatever i think those sorts of things start happening then we will see this kind of shift just based on the finances of it um away from the coast and away from these you know dominant density areas to something more actually you know the way that it's been hypothesized and predicted for the last 20 30 years wouldn't that be a cool way to like support local businesses and for companies to save money on retail space as if they like foot the bill for your coffee for the week that would be cool 
See, I think stuff like this, like innovations where you're, you're trying to beat people on the margins instead of the financial, you know, financial advantages that everyone goes for. If you can give people peace of mind on the edges, I think that's a huge advantage that I think we'll see a lot more of going forward. Yeah, I guess that's what I was trying to get at too, um, is the idea of kind of a hybrid environment. So mm-hmm. it's not all working from home, it's not all coming yeah. to the office every day. Yeah. Like it's this kind of, so you can still kind of have a, and I don't know how that would work because if they were trying to kind of save money on retail space, well, I guess it would just, it would kind of transform that retail space as well to be a lot more fluid and flexible. So maybe you could rent out uh, two hours on a Friday afternoon in, um, you know, a centrally located space and it's, and you just rent that, you know, time on that day and you don't have to pay for anything beyond that as a way to kind of get your people together um, for an important meeting or just for a catch up or whatever um, on the week. That could be a cool thing to see. Yeah, I mean, maybe you split the office with another company, and they have it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every other week, and you have it Thursday, Friday. I mean, you could. There's many ways you could go about this. Um, I, I want to ask you, if everything started to switch online, and let's say education, the university that hires you is mostly online, where would you choose to live if you could work from anywhere? What would be the setup that you would create for yourself? My guess is, you know, there'll be price discrimination where you'll be offered, do you want to teach the five classes you have in person and make a little more? Or do you want to take a little pay cut and you can live anywhere you want, not have to come in? Uh, My guess is that the pricing adjusts to people's uh, willingness to work from home or away from home. Um, Yeah, I think to answer your question, I would live somewhere in California because... That's just my head. That's where I have contacts and everything. And so that, um, you know, it's not the cheapest place in the world to live, but um, probably something like, look for something in Ventura County, maybe okay. a little bit, okay. kind of like equidistant between Central Coast and, yeah. not, not as equidistant between Central Coast and San Diego, but, you know, kind of, I don't know, in that yeah. area. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about you? A uh, full Unabomber up in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. I feel, great. I feel like it would allow, I mean, I would probably live somewhere where the weather is generally nice most of the time because that's the benefit of working from home in the first place. I definitely wouldn't live somewhere where I'd have to deal with traffic because that's, I mean, that would be the huge benefit, right? You wouldn't have to deal with traffic, so why would you live in a city if you could get away? Um, I do think it would allow for a lot more travel, too, because if, let's say, I have to teach two classes a week and I have, you know, five days, maybe I still have to do work, but I don't necessarily have to be in an office. 
I can see things like, you know, weekend cabin rentals going way up in prices and things like that where you could get away but not, you know, not have to go too far, but you could still be connected to your job or whatever. Um, I think I would definitely yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a promising development. I don't see too many drawbacks to it because it seems like if you're the type of play, person that really needs that office space, can they continually day-to-day I think that sector is going to be around for the foreseeable future as well as an option. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But but for those of us that like the flexibility, that going up is going to be a really positive thing. Absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts on this topic? Um, no, I mean, I think it's just kind of, it'll be interesting to wait and see. Um, yeah, I tell you listeners out there that are dying for an episode about higher education, <laughs> I think it's coming this summer, but I'm looking forward to just seeing, like, just talk, to talking about how, not just coronavirus, but how um, higher education needs to change with the times that we're in, and some of the reasons in we can kind of give feedback as to our experiences mm. of the institutions we've been at, some of the reasons why that um, change isn't materializing in the way it should be right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, yeah, everyone, um, watch Mad Men if you haven't. <laughs> uh, Twin Peaks is great too, except the last 10 episodes of season two, so just watch the first season and a half and you'll be fine. Perfect. Excellent. Well, we solved it. Uh, if you uh, still having concerns with coronavirus, not sure how you could after this episode. Basically, solved everything. But uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter, and uh, I think we're supposed to say that you should rate us on iTunes. Um, that yeah, seems every every it seems like all the podcasts say that, and there must be a reason. Um, I don't well, know what we it did is, get but a little boost. we have like eleven now. So if oh we wow, get to, okay. If we could, if we could get it up to twenty, um, you'll uh, you'll do an you'll do an ice bath. How about that? <laughs> I will. Thanks for the oh. ice bath. <laughs> okay. If uh, we get up to twenty ratings, so fair enough. So please do. It'll be yeah right, live broadcast. Until next time, <laughs> rational listeners. <laughs> <All right. laughs>